So the, all of these things, can you identify with any of these? Think of your very last conflict. Think of the very last fight you had, the very last argument you had. Think about who it was with. You might want to jot their initials down so you can keep track of this in your mind. It might be easy. You might have to think way back to like two days ago and three days ago. But Which of these desires turned ugly in your relationship? What was it? Was it control? Was it acceptance? Was it power? Was it recognition? Which of these things got twisted that all of a sudden they were bubbling under the surface and now this conflict has erupted because something is warring now inside of you, something you're not getting that you really want? These desires can all be good things, but as soon as they become life-dominating, all-consuming things, then conflicts erupt over and over. And what really is happening, and this is the problem, that this is, this is why God has a problem with it, is because we replace God's glory and meeting the needs of other pe- people with self-glory and self-love. And then we look just like the world around us, where we're feeding our own selfishness. See, God, He He's to be honored and gloried above all things. And so anytime we decide to lock on to any of those desires that become selfish desires... What we do is we replace God's glory with our own glory. And that's a real problem. He has a problem with that. And so he allows conflict to erupt. And the conflict that erupts over the fact that we have selfish desires, to him it looks insulting. Because the life that he's given us in Christ is to be a life that's yielded to the Lordship of Jesus Christ that exalts the glory of God. And as soon as we start exalting and having to have our ways and our desires, and we decide, I'm going to be boss, and I'm going to be Lord, and I'm going to be glorified in these relationships, we think it's my way, it's not His way. And we flip things upside down. And so look at what James 4.4 4 says, the very next verse. We just thought it was a relationship problem. But he calls, God says, you adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Meaning when we start looking a little bit too much like the world, we're enemies of God. He repeats himself. I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Really, this verse poses a question. Here's the question. What has become more important to me than my relationship with God? What desire of that list? And there may be some other ones that crop up. But what desire has become more important? Whenever we make anything else more important, to putting God first in our lives, James says we've become a little too friendly with the world and we've, in fact, committed spiritual adultery. And now God is opposed to us. God is against that. It's interesting. He started this chapter saying that we're the cause of our own you know, problems and relationships, but now he makes a spiritual shift and he says this is a spiritual issue, though. Because you think it's about your interpersonal relationships. It's really not that. You're acting like the world. Becoming a friend of the world. You're really, you've confused who's first in your life. I'm supposed to be first. I'm supposed to get the credit. I'm supposed to get the glory, God's saying. And you want that position. Here's another question to ask is, what do I fear would happen if I don't get what I really want? Great question to ask. You might... Take some time to think through all these questions for yourself. Really personalize this this week and, and wrestle with it. Spend some time over prayer and asking God to help you understand the source of a lot of the conflict you may be going through. Look at verse 5 and 6. He, he just says, 
he calls everyone spiritual adulterers when we start doing this, giving in to our selfish desires. Then he says this, What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit God has placed within us is filled with envy? See, the spirit of God who lives in each Christian, it says, begins to envy the fact that we have put something else ahead of God. And so... The Spirit of God becomes envious, meaning He becomes jealous enough to do whatever it takes to regain our affection. He becomes so jealous. The Spirit of God becomes so jealous inside of us. Whenever we've put ourselves ahead of God, He becomes so jealous that He will do whatever it takes to regain our affection. Whatever it takes in order to be first again. He's opposed to that because look at verse 6. It says, "But But He gives us even more grace. He reassures us. God gives us even more grace to stand against our selfish, evil desires. He he pours grace into our life in order to help us with the battle. As the scripture says, God opposes. The word opposes, it means he battles against. God opposes the proud, but he favors the humble. Now, this is a really interesting passage of scripture. Very, very unique passage. And he's flipping from personal relationships to our relationship with God. See, God pursues us, but really the way He pursues us, the way He goes after us, when we get our, when we get this selfishness mixed up, when we put ourselves first and our ways first, and we recognize our relationships are getting, you know, tormented through conflict, He pursues us by opposing us. And what He does is we, He opposes us, and then we, we have a choice. We can either humble ourselves, or He'll humble us. But if we will humble ourselves, then He pours more grace on us. He gives us another chance. He just he goes after us. He pursues us by opposition oftentimes because He's against the proud. Whenever we push our selfish desires ahead, what we're doing is we're being proud and arrogant. And He opposes that. Now, let me ask you, what do you think God typically uses to regain our affection? If He wants to be first, what do you think He will use to regain our affection or... What do you think God will use to oppose your pride and your selfishness? And my pride and my selfishness. Ironically, he uses other people. That's one of the blessings of conflict. You thought, there's nothing good in conflict. Actually, the blessing of conflict is that God, it's God's way of opposing our pride and selfishness. But it's counterintuitive to the way that we work and the way that we think. He uses the people in our life, typically uses other people to rescue us from our own selfish desire. And he will use the different seasons in our relationships to allow us to see what we're typically living for besides him. We get into a fight with someone and, and if we're open to it, we realize, wow, I've really let my need to control crop up and take hold of me. And this is stirring things up in my friendships, my marriage, on the job. God does this over and over. He'll allow conflict to erupt in order to show us the problems that are really inside of us. And He does this because He lives inside of us and His Spirit gets jealous of the fact that we have flipped priorities. So God places these different people in our lives in order to really mysteriously Show us our own sin, rescuing us from ourselves. Think about your own life. Think about this question. Who may God be using to rescue you? Who do you think God has placed in your life to rescue you 
from the selfish desires that have possibly begun to take hold and created a lot of conflict. Rather than thinking when the conflict erupts, oh my gosh, do we got to do this again? Not you again. Why do we always, you know, rather than thinking that, but consider who God may be using these people to do something in you. This is part of God's mysterious, counterintuitive ways of doing life. He's wise, he's sovereign, he's intelligent. He's also gracious to redeem us and to act on our behalf. He, the way he does is he places people in our life. Now this is very different to understand conflict in this way. But then look at what happens. Once we yield to the Lord and we recognize and admit our own selfishness, here's what happens. Verses 7 through 10, James says, So humble yourselves before God. Because what happens is we lifting up our pride. He just says, take the humble path. Because God will oppose you, and he may even humble us before others. But we have a choice with humility. We can either humble ourselves and step down from the place we put ourselves in, or God will knock us off the place we've built ourselves. So James says, humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil. This is a spiritual issue, James says. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, meaning Draw, draw near to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, he says, you sinners. Purify your hearts. Look at what he says. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. This is a spiritual issue. We thought it was just a relationship issue. God says this is a spiritual issue. It's a loyalty issue. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief, meaning let it really get to you that you've lifted ourselves, that we've lifted ourselves up. Repent of it. Let it break you. Let there be sadness instead of laughter, gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up in honor. Really interesting passage of Scripture. I think it takes, you're going one way, you think, oh, I'm going to learn some things about my relationships, and then it turns towards us and God. And it's very different the way that God thinks, the way He does things, the way He plans things out. So if conflict is something that God uses to really draw us close to Him, and to show us our sinfulness and our selfishness, then we need to understand how to engage in it in a healthy way. So here's a few suggestions, kind of summarizing some other passages of Scripture. First, understand that conflict is one way that God works in my life. That's what we've really been talking about. It's not the only way He works in our, in our lives, but sometimes conflict can be a good thing. God Himself, He engages in conflict. The, you open up the Bible. The Bible is a book about God entering into conflict in order to save us. He entered into this broken human world, this broken world that was infected by sin. He entered in to save us. He can work through it. Second, identify what drives ungodly conflict in my life. This is getting even more specific. What tends to lure your loyalty and affection away from God? Of those six desires that we listed out early on. Which of those things on that front side may be luring your loyalty away from keeping him first? Be specific. Think through what desires have maybe morphed into something selfish and maybe become idols that you have to have. Another thing is recognize my default strategy in conflict. Recognize what it is you default to do when conflict breaks out. This is important to understand. Do you avoid do you rush into it? You need to recognize the default strategy so you know you're in conflict. And it's time to understand what is God trying to show me about myself. And recognize the responses and think, okay, this is not a time to back away. 
If I tend to back away, this is a time to engage. Or if I'm rushing in, this is a time to slow down maybe. But then engage in specific and intelligent spiritual warfare. Since this is a spiritual issue, we have to put our hope in Christ and what He has done for us on the cross. If Christ lives in you, then the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you and all the resources are available to you to fight against ungodly conflict and to do conflict in a healthy way. The resources of God have been made available to you. And recognize the conflict may be an effort of Satan even who will use other people to entice you towards your sinful, selfish patterns. And he wants us to fall prey to our sinfulness and our selfishness. So we have to be intelligent about the way we approach this, but recognize it's a spiritual issue. Our conflicts are not just with others. This is a spiritual issue. Another thing is consider the other person. Consider who they are. Consider what they're going through. Consider the pressure they're in. Understand that there are different ways to confront people. There are times that we need conflict. There's times we need to confront. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 through 18. I jot that down. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 through 18. talks about how there's sometimes we need to pursue someone and confront. We need to engage the conflict. Other times we need to be patient and encourage. Sometimes we need to overlook an offense. But this passage in 1 Thessalonians 5 helps us understand we have to consider the other person, not just operate with, engage conflict, rush in, fight the battle. There's different ways that we need to approach different people. And then the last thing is make a plan to approach the other person. If you know it's time to confront, if you know the conflict is inevitable, then approach the other person this way. Name your part of the problem. Own it. Own whatever brought whatever personal sin you brought into the situation. Name it and deal with that one. Explore, hey, how are we going to make this work? I realize this is what I've been doing, and, and I want to keep moving forward. Let's, let's move forward together. And then you're going to have to evaluate. You know, relationships are messy, but conflict, you know, is not, you know, it's, it's not easy. It's, we know it's not fun, but God is, he's up to something. He's up to total restoration of our lives. He will settle for nothing less than to restore his creation for his own personal glory, not for ours. C.S. Lewis, later part of that quote from your Christianity, he, he says it this way. It's not up on the screen, but he says, as far as how God's going to restore us any way he wants to, any way he needs to, he says, you thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. But God is doing something. He's up to something, even through conflict. I'd like to invite the band to come up. And Would you take out that white connection card? And We're going to wrap up our service here. Take out this white connection card. Flip it to the back side. You'll notice there's some next steps. And just gives you an opportunity to respond. These two next steps, one would be memorizing a verse, James 4.1, just reminding ourselves about the war going on inside of us. And then secondly, share my answers with a mature and godly friend and pray. What I'd encourage you to do is take the questions from this morning's listening guide, ask or answer these questions, spend some time alone, and then go over it with someone and ask them for prayer. That's a pretty revealing conversation, but I'd encourage you to, to open up and, and share if God shows you some personal things to, that he's trying to grow in you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we... We thank you, for, thank you for your love for us and for your plan for our lives and how you 
work in, again, such unique and different ways than we would and that we do. God, thank you that you can use our conflict to grow us, to change us. Lord, you will use conflict to humble us if that's what you if that's what you feel needs to happen. So God, I pray that before we are humbled by you, I pray that we would humble ourselves before you, that we would admit completely and come clean to you in areas that we have twisted the desires that are normal and turned them into something sinful for our own good. Lord, we're sorry for the way that that impacts our friendships, our relationships. God, we're sorry for the way that we've allowed ourselves to get in the way. And we pray that you would continue to show us our own sinfulness. Thank you for the people you've placed in our lives that you use to help us see. I pray that we would respond, God, to the things that you've shown us this morning even. And God, as we just receive this morning's tithes and offerings, we thank you for a chance to give back to you. We thank you that you've been so gracious, God, in our lives. And we get a a chance to to work with you and to, to give back. Lord, to further your kingdom, to reach new people, help others to find the hope that we have found in you. So I pray you'd help us, God, in this area. And Lord, provide for all the needs that we have. Lord, even as we're leading towards Easter, I pray for the resources that are needed to to get the word out. We pray that you would put it on the hearts of many, Lord, to be generous. And Lord, help us to be faithful, God, with what you've entrusted to us. We pray for those things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.